Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Wednesday, January 11th. Coming up, unhoused people who can't conform to certain shelter policies are given little support. In Kansas City, Lotus Care House is changing that culture by providing housing. This place kind of gave me a little bit of hope to kind of keep going and have a little bit of faith in humanity because I, for real, kind of gave up. How a unique shelter in an old days inn has become a refuge for the homeless. Plus, when rural hospitals close, access to critical health care is put in jeopardy. We, you know, hear some mornings that oh, I had chest pain at 2 a.m. and I just was waiting to see if I could see you guys. Like, no, call, call for help. You know, we don't want to take a chance on that. We'll look into what happened in one Missouri town. But first, some headlines. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly has tested positive for COVID-19. Blaze Mesa of the Kansas News Service reports. Kelly says her positive test will not disrupt government functions, but will push back the state of the state address to late January. Her administration will still release a budget plan to lawmakers as scheduled this week. Kelly's positive test comes the same day she signed an executive order in a crowded room with dozens of people, and just days after her inaugural events. Kelly is self-isolating. She says she's fully vaccinated and only has minor symptoms. Yesterday marked three years since the first announcement of a COVID-19 outbreak in Wuhan, China. KCUR's Noah Taborda reports local health officials are trying to keep people vigilant, but people are tired of pandemic measures. COVID case numbers are high, and all Kansas City metro counties are at least at medium community transmission levels. Still, a few people are masking. Marvia Jones is the director of the Kansas City, Missouri Health Department. She's working to rebuild trust between residents and health agencies. It is a fine line that we walk of empathizing and understanding why people aren't prioritizing something like COVID-19, but also doing our jobs to let them know that they are at risk. Since the pandemic, Jones said the department has been engaging with people through community leaders instead of just sending out messages themselves. A Kansas lawmaker wants to reintroduce legislation to get rid of the statute of limitations on sexual abuse crimes. This follows a Kansas Bureau of Investigation report that detailed thousands of alleged incidents of abuse carried out by 188 Catholic clergy members in the state. Democratic State Senator Cindy Holcher says the church did not support previous attempts to eliminate the statute of limitations for such crimes. Uh, They came in neutral on the bill. You can't be neutral on something as vile as childhood sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. So again, that showed me that they are not committed to addressing this issue. Holcher says she has bipartisan support for her bill. The report found the Catholic Church didn't follow its own policies regarding abuse allegations and helped cover up clergy members' crimes. We'll be back after this. You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's going to be bumping. You got to be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive. 
Lotus Care House, near 31st Street and Linwood Boulevard, provides shelter and services for people experiencing homelessness. KCUR's Lawrence Brooks IV reports it's Kansas City's only housing-first option that prioritizes guiding chronically homeless people back to a permanent place to live. The guests, staff, and volunteers at Lotus Care House are huddled in the old hotel's lobby for their bi-weekly community meeting. My favorite holiday tradition used to be I used to put a Christmas tree up on my birthday, but I haven't done that since my mom passed. So hopefully I can start that again. Everyone in the circle of donated chairs and couches take turns sharing happy memories of holidays spent with loved ones. Then they go over their accomplishments from the previous week. I got my keys to my house. Yay! And I got my bed today. David Nelson has been a guest at Lotus Care House since August. Nelson lost his home in 2021 when he could no longer afford his rent. He spent about a year after that sleeping in parking lots while holding down his job as a truck driver. You know, I was living in my car at Cracker Barrel. I slept in my car because of the COVID. The doctor said that's what caused me to get this infection from being in the car every day. Nelson spent months in the hospital and had surgery five times. The complications left him partially disabled. And because most local shelters can't accommodate his health issues, Nelson couldn't access the already limited services offered to homeless people in the area. It's been rough. This place has saved my life because I had no idea what I was going to do. Nelson found this sanctuary through a chance encounter with a nurse. And he's not the only person to struggle for safe housing because of a health or substance abuse issue. Most shelters in the metro require residents stay sober and they don't allow couples. Others ask residents to adopt certain religious beliefs or practices. Lotus Care House Director of Programs Jonathan Rivas thinks all those requirements need to change or be eliminated completely. Our goal as a low barrier is to really put housing first and to provide for people based on their need and their inherent dignity and really meeting people where they're at and try to get them where they want to go. That means developing individual housing plans for every guest and productively dealing with hurdles like addiction. Rivas says their system builds trust. For people dealing with the trauma and violence homelessness can bring, the difference is huge. Housing first, truly executed, looks like prioritizing housing, but then offering like a very robust and diverse offering of services that involves mental health, recovery-oriented services, or harm reduction services. Lotus Care House also partners with community groups like Save Inc., which specializes in helping people with HIV and AIDS, and Care Beyond the Boulevard, a free mobile medical clinic. Heather Barlow is secretary of the board for Volunteer KC. That's what's really important to us is filling in the gaps in resources. Her organization supports Lotus Care House with volunteers and donated supplies. You know, just want to make sure that we're helping people in our community. Guest liaison Jamal Collier is the product of Lotus Care House aid. He became homeless early in the COVID-19 pandemic after he lost his job and car. Collier says his fate may have been much worse. This place kind of gave me a little bit of hope to kind of keep going and have a little bit of faith in humanity because I had for real kind of gave up. Mentally, I was just like, I'm a crash. That was where my mind was. After Lotus Care House staff embraced Collier's love for music as a way to connect with him, he went from transient to full-time employee by the end of 2021. Collier's room even doubles as a mini studio where he makes beats and records songs. 
He says it's a creative teaching tool he hopes will help other guests regain the stability he now cherishes. This gave me another opportunity to look at another option, helping people. I always liked helping people. I just never thought about it being a job. Lotus Carehouse is also looking for new tools to transform lives. The nonprofit wants to set up a community garden in the future and a technology center for their guests. They're seemingly simple steps that go a long way toward establishing the normalcy many guests lack. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Lawrence Brooks IV. In many rural towns, local hospitals are community fixtures. When they close, the entire community feels the ripple effects, and access to critical health care is put in jeopardy. For the Midwest Newsroom, Sebastian Martinez Valdivia reports on how this is playing out in one rural Missouri town. Dr. Michael Quinlan has served Mexico, Missouri, a town of almost 12,000 in the eastern part of the state, for decades. That looked like it might come to an end this past fall, when the hospital his practice was associated with closed suddenly. Quinlan says the closure came as a surprise. I think we always thought that we were big enough to keep one going. Quinlan was born and raised in town and says the hospital was vital to the Mexico community. It closed shortly after changing ownership for the second time in two years. Kansas City area company Noble Health acquired the hospital in 2021. After increasing internal turmoil at the company, Noble sold the hospital to Texas-based Platinum Team Management, which shuttered the facility in September. Obviously, poor management can lead to adverse outcomes. Quinlan says toward the end, staff were working without pay to keep serving the community. Craig Brace is the CEO of the county health department. He says the department had to scramble in the wake of the closure, setting up a phone line to answer patient questions. We had a nurse dedicated to dig in to those uh, questions and find answers and make, make that available. But some of those questions didn't have easy answers. One big thing the area lost with the hospital's closure was emergency care. Now, the nearest option for area residents is Columbia, some 40 miles away. Dr. Quinlan says that's left his patients in a difficult situation. We, you know, hear some mornings that, oh, I had chest pain at 2 a.m. and I just was waiting to see if I could see you guys. Like, no, call, call for help. You know, we don't want to take a chance on that. Quinlan says patients have also put off important appointments like cancer screenings, holding out hope that the hospital will reopen. There is no sign of that happening soon, but other providers have moved in. MU Health opened up two outpatient clinics in Mexico in the summer, including an urgent care location in August. And Boone Health acquired Dr. Quinlan's clinic in October. Boone Health CEO Troy Greer says the move benefited his health system as well as the community. So we said if we went and found these doctors that wanted to stay in the area, it was good for that local community. It allows Boone to continue to grow in those areas to serve their needs, uh, but also create a more convenient place uh, for those people to use Boone services. But Greer says stepping in to run the hospital isn't something Boone or any other institution is in a position to do. Rural hospitals face an uphill battle, driven by declining populations and lower reimbursement for care. More than 130 rural hospitals have closed in the U.S. since 2005, including dozens in the Midwest. The closure of the hospital in Mexico marked Missouri's 10th rural hospital closure in less than a decade. 
When it comes to replacing emergency services, one option that has emerged in other states is the freestanding ER. These are emergency rooms that aren't affiliated with a hospital and can often offer quicker care at a higher cost. Dr. Cedric Dark is an assistant professor of emergency medicine at the Baylor College of Medicine in Houston. I feel like you at least ought to be able to keep the ER open as as a freestanding ER because people in those communities still need access to emergency care. He says the costs associated with freestanding ERs lead them to locate in urban and suburban rather than rural areas. Plus, regulations in several states, including Missouri, effectively ban freestanding ERs. That means communities like Mexico have to find other ways to keep their hospitals open, whether that be through private equity firms or individual investors. Quinlan says the recently enacted federal rural emergency hospital designation is a consideration. That would allow the hospital to reopen its emergency department and provide outpatient care. There are also plans drawn up to open a micro-hospital offering emergency services and some inpatient care if Audrain community doesn't reopen. For the Midwest Newsroom, I'm Sebastián Martínez Valdivia. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadeen. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Lawrence's story on Lotus House and Sebastian's story on rural Missouri hospitals, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.